Banter Town crew, John and Johnny, here for another episode of Talk About That. We're back. We are. We never went away. No. But, I mean, since last week. Yes. I guess. So, yeah. You went away. I did go away. I had a trip since our last uh, recording. Um, Where'd you go? Tell the, tell the listeners where you headed off to. I had a writing trip on a book I'm Biscayne Bay. To. <laughs> no. I had a writing trip to Washington, D.C. So you're doing the, the uh, second Trump I am, book I am. No, about it's not. the push for 2020. So the funny, the funny story, actually funny slash me feeling stupid type thing, is that um, my the author I'm working with, so I for some reason got in my head that he lives in Arlington. Yeah. And part of the book story happens in the D.C. area and everything. So I've, pl- I've been planning this for weeks, if not months. Like, okay, we got to go and do some face-to-face time, interviews, yeah. other things. And so, uh, like, the day before, I send the address to the hotel. He's going to come into town. We're going to go eat and then, you know, find a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually, 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 he said we could go to his church and work there. I waited, so the whole deal. I sent him the address. He's like, okay, well, that's 85 miles away oh, wow. from where I am. I was like, oh, he's not in Arlington. He's in Winchester. I don't know what that is. That's, like, he says, quote, unquote, in the sticks. Okay. So I was like, bro, I've just totally, like, I planned a whole trip, took my family with me because I was going to work and then have them. Yeah, but if you had just come to Winchester to do the thing, then you wouldn't have had any family fun. That's true. So I was kind of glad I didn't know in that respect, you know. But he was very gracious. He drove, it was about an hour and a half from him. He drove in and we uh, you know, yeah. did interviews in the hotel and stuff. So, But uh, ended up in Arlington, Virginia, in Crystal City, a little area called Crystal City. I've never heard of that. Learned Isn't a little, that? Yeah. Okay. You know where Pentagon City is? These are all like the areas around there. So. Okay. Anyway, we learned a lot about the metro, the subway system, and uh, took Sadie and Laura, worked in the morning, and then, man, we just, it was so hot, Johnny. Yeah. It was hot. Boy, let me tell you, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it was awesome. We had a great time. Well, this is the history buff in you must have loved all the museums and everything. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was Sadie as interested as you'd hoped that she would be? She was. Yeah. She was, yeah. It was great. I mean, well, I mean she's still a little young, so it's like the idea of like, you don't understand this tapestry of history <laughs> that's laid out before you. <laughs> Look at me. You didn't have to do any of that? No, but I mean, you, you got to understand. Uh, Men died, Sadie. <laughs> I mean, I will say it wasn't all easy. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, it wasn't all easy because you're, dr- you're dragging her all over this. She's like, where are the rides? Well, it's not necessarily that. It's like we're walking through the subway. You yeah. get your card ready. The thing opens automatically. She's yeah. left-handed, so instead of putting on the right-hand thing, she doesn't pay attention. Puts on the left-hand thing. It doesn't open. People are behind you. Oh, you, you get on the escalator. She'll stand on the escalator. Yeah. You know, and, and and people are walking. You know, you, this train. And we had this app, so it's like get it, get on this train, the blue, and it takes you to this station. Get mm-hmm. off and get on the yellow, and it takes you to this station. Then you get off and you walk five blocks. You get on a bus and you go to. So we were like trying to find our way a little bit, and then. And, yeah. You know, so you would get a little frustrated with that, um, but by like day three or so, like she had it. Like she was a pro. Lo- she loved the subway. Like loved it. it Yo, it's great. Part. Once yeah. you get used to it, it's just intimidating to people who don't live in a, in a mass transit city. And I'm fascinated by the underground city. Yeah, it's so huge mm-hmm. and vast. They used to do. There's one in uh, Kansas City. That's Kansas City is evidently full of all these tunnels. That they use for storage now, and I can't remember why they built them, you know, in the 70s. And I was reading about it back when we were in, really into running together. Yeah. There is a thing called, like, the Secret City 
uh, 10K. There's 10K no of tunnels, and they run a 10K race in those tunnels in Kansas City. I've never done it, but I was like, that'd be kind of interesting. Wow. Because you're just kind of, and evidently it's really cool down there, like a cave. Yeah. So. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I like running outside. I don't know. It's very. Well, maybe there's a lot of uh, support down there. You don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of people in there. Like... You can do it. And it echoes. So it feels like more. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. It's just once you, I think, you know, we've talked about that before. Like, if I get back in running shape, I would want to do like destination races. Because yeah. it helps motivate you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd love to run in the desert. I yeah. hear that's a great thing. Um, not like just go run in the desert, desert. like run a race. Bring a canteen, John. <laughs> I just want to get out in the sand and run in the desert. <laughs> I just want to get. <laughs> I just want to get attacked by a Gila monster. That's how I've always wanted to go out. <laughs> um, man, I'm going to tell you, we saw the Hope Diamond, you know, at, at Museum of Natural History. And, oh, I didn't know that's where it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then and then the gym display, like all of the, is it? Gemology? Is that what you call it? Gem, gemology, sure. Gemology, possibly. But anyway, just that whole section, yeah. like the number of diamonds and all the, the, the not just diamonds, all of the, the emeralds and the sapphires and, you know, all of these yeah. gemstones. It was just unbelievable. Saw mummies in natural history. Mm. I mean, we saw mummies that were before Christ time. Yeah. You know, so it was very, that was great. But the Museum of American History, obviously, is the one, like, for me. Dude, right. And I went when I was like, I don't know, eighth grade in my junior year. So that's how long it's been. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they've upped their game or I wasn't paying attention. And then to your point about what did Sadie like, like I realized there's just only so much she'll remember. Yeah. I was fascinated actually. We had a lot of great conversations towards, especially towards the end when she's really processing and on the plane ride home and stuff. But we had friends who went and like their kids, like the only thing they told us about was the restaurant they loved. You know what I'm oh, saying? Like, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and they're her age a little older. I was like, you know, I told Laura, I was like, look, that's how kids are. I mean, I remember going in eighth grade. You know what I remember the most? Being on uh, the whole trip, especially on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and uh-huh. which girl I was standing by. Oh, right. I don't remember who she was or anything like that. I just remember like having this like angst of, you know, the girls, you know, am I impressing <laughs> the girls right now? And they, you know, um, so, <laughs> I mean. So, I mean, it's fine. I mean, but she, she really, she, she dives into this stuff. But the American History Museum, oh my gosh, Abraham Lincoln's hat, he was wearing the night he was shot. Okay. Ford's Theater was there. George Washington's coat and saber and like field box where all of his supplies were in and everything. Mm. Uh, did you go to Ford Theater? We did not go to Ford's Theater yeah. this time. We did almost, we did, we have a list of things we haven't done. We went to the mall, but I mean, the malls, I mean, you just, you know, you can't just get out there and go. And it was very much gridlock. I wonder how many kids think it's a real mall, mall when you first tell right. them about it. Yeah. Like, all right, Sadie, we're, when we get out here in this mall, she's like, we're going, we're going to the mall. To the mall. Like, think f- there's... Is there a food court? <laughs> They're looking for a Claire's boutique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very like, we went to Lincoln Memorial. Her favorite part there was uh, down the steps, there's this marble and kids were sliding down it like a slide. Yeah. So she went and did she that. She figured out a way to make it a ride. Yeah, she That's did it, cool. yeah. But she loved the big. She she wanted to climb up on Abraham Lincoln, you know. But you're not allowed to do that. So it's no. too big. That's actual size too. He was, he was a gigantic a big guy. A big big guy. He Large a- slash <laughs> big. <laughs> do you remember that time we had our friend Andy? We said we were at camp. Yeah. And they were all sitting there, and he was sitting uh, uh, with, with different people. And I went down. Remember the this is a long story. Yeah. The Andy Griffith show. Right. Andy always called 
or, or sorry, Barney, Barney always yeah. called Andy Ange. Hey, Ange. Yeah. Hey, Ange. And so I went down the line. I was like, so I called Andy Ange. He's like, Ange. And I turned to the next person. I go, Lizge. And I turned to Laura and I go, large. Oh, <laughs> and it, like before I could get it out, right. like you're divorced it was, before oh, you could even gosh. finish. Had zero to do with anything except right. I was I was applying a rule, almost right. like in geometry. I was applying this theory of what the it does rule in different words. That gives women eating disorders, and it backfired on me. And to this day, <laughs> when my wife listens to this, to this day, I will, and, and I deservedly, deservedly, I should Large. get, I should get some words from her about this tonight after this airs. <laughs> but anyway, I deserve it. But anyway. So we, we had a great time. Did you go to any of the walking tours that had the little, like, you put in the headsets and no. go, now proceed to 310. Okay, the coolest one ever. If you ever get a chance to take uh, to go out to the West Coast, go to San Francisco, go to Alcatraz. They have one, and it's narrated oh. by prisoners, no like way. ex-prisoners. And so it'll be like, keep walking through cell block C. <laughs> I'm Emmett. I murdered my whole family. And then you'll just, this was my, I'm serious. It's crazy. (laughs) And they'll talk about the riots that happened there. Uh, But you're hearing it from, and you're hearing like the cell door shut. So it's like an audio (sighs) book. It's really cool. Wow. The coolest thing about Alcatraz that I remember thinking like, what a crazy thing is. It's, I can't remember how many miles off the coast of San Francisco, uh, and it's its own island, of yeah. course. That was the whole point. And then the weird, like, bay uh, uh, currents keep anybody from ever trying to escape because it's – or they try, but they never have successfully that we know of. And so – but they said on a, on, a, on a cloudless day where there wasn't a lot of wind, people could be sitting or in their cell with the with – the, you know, the just bars. And then you could hear people's conversations at – so it's like freedom was taunting you that much. So there would be like people like eating on the mainland. You could on the hear. mainland in San Francisco, you could people would be wow. eating at an outside terrace or something at a restaurant, and they said you could hear conversations. No way, that really is like you a, could hear forks and, and plates clinking. Wow, isn't that crazy? You'd wow. be like, I'm never getting out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I lo- and I love that. I love that stuff. We actually had a guided tour by our congressman's aide of the Capitol. Yeah. And it was just us, like nobody else from our district. It was just like, so this, like, she was probably 25. Mm-hmm. So, and of course she's from Tennessee, you know, she's our congressman, uh, congressman's office. And so Sadie just peppered her with questions. I mean, cause we had to stand in these long lines, you know. Did she ask her what she got paid? No, no, no. She never asked her that. That would have that been mine. I want to know. Oh, and as an intern, probably. She's an intern for several different people. So six but, figures. Yeah. Highs. No, I'm just kidding. So, yeah. I'm kidding around. Yeah. That was pretty awesome, though the the tour of that, um, you know, all the statues and all the things, and it was great. It was great, man. We had a great time. Did you go up in the monument? It's being it's under renovation. Because oh, when I was there in two thousand one, uh, late two thousand one, or maybe only two thousand two. No, because it was. I think it was. Was it post nine eleven or was it? I remember it was the DC. When was the DC sniper? Was yeah. that post nine eleven? Was right. Uh, it was 2002. Yeah, it was post. So 2002, I think, is when I went. And they still would not let anybody up in it. And it was because it was, you're so high in the air, and it was a weird, like, flyover yep. thing. And they were afraid of a terrorist attack and it was everything else. There was a million reasons. But that was the week I went, which was with Andy and my brother. And I had, like, I can't remember what we were doing. We were going to a Wizards game. That's what we were doing. Yeah. Michael Jordan had just returned to the Wizards. And so it was kind of Andy's dream. He was 15 at that point. We're like, let's go. So we all got tickets. And my wife had these hotel points from her work. And I was like, well, here's our hotel. So we get in my van and we go. But uh, 
was 2002, and I remember the whole week leading up to it, the DC sniper was just picking off people. Jeez. And my mom was still alive, and she was like, "You're not going." Any- I mean, I'm, I'm a grown man, but she's like, "You're not going to DC <laughs> if people are shooting people from the trunks of cars, you know, at gas stations." And they caught the guy like three days before we were scheduled to leave. Wow! They caught the DC snipers, and uh, so, and then we were like, we felt better. Like, hopefully there won't be copycats or whatever. But we had our head on a swivel. Oh, sure. No, you do. Every time, you know, I mean, you know you're a target there. You know the city's a major target. Mm-hmm. Um, architecturally, and it's just been so long since I've been there, I was, I mean, it is vast. Like, the the Ronald Reagan building that's right outside the American History Museum yeah. was just, like, we were like, there, there were so many buildings that are just like, Oh my gosh! Buildings that are just eh, no one ever mentions this one. You know, it's just it's just a part of it. It was getting around was was interesting. We we ended up Ubering quite a bit, even though we bought like the expensive subway stuff because you can't get to necessarily where you want to get to. There's yeah. a bus, you have a reservation or whatever. So it was good though. We had a good time. Um, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to think of the other things. I found out this was very interesting, nerdy historical fact. I was looking at a first lady exhibit. And Benjamin it, Franklin had webbed feet. Well, he was never president, so. Oh, but anyway. <laughs> no, I was just trying to think of some historical thing that you oh. could have found out. Speaking of first ladies, Benjamin Franklin had webbed feet. <laughs> <laughs> John, I don't think you understand how this works. Um, <laughs> Benjamin Frank, are you telling me Benjamin Franklin was not first lady? Because, oh man, yeah. this education system has let us all know, down. Okay, go ahead. Uh, that when it got to Andrew Jackson, which I you know obviously knew his his wife Rachel, okay, right, who you know Rachel's tomb and everything right here at the Hermitage, like she's not listed. She wasn't listed as a first lady, and I really, I really, and I looked at it and it said his his daughter in law and his niece during different time periods, yeah. and I did not realize. So she he got elected. Mm-hmm. In between the election and the inauguration, she died. Oh, no. I forgot it was that early. And so apparently throughout history, if you don't have a wife, then there is an acting first lady. Basically, what? she becomes first lady even though she's not your wife. Because Who appoints that? I, I guess the president does, I suppose. He just picked a random lady? Because think about it. They're the ones hosting all the things at the White House, and so they're the ones who pick all the decorations and all those things. <sighs> I don't know if that's still the way it is today. But they had no romantic link. Like Biden, no, it was his daughter-in-law oh, at one point, and then another was his niece. So during his his time so in office, she was office, just left off the. No, she was a first lady, but it wasn't his wife. I was like, what the heck, you know? And I yeah. wanted it. Biden's not married, is he? His sure. wife died, I think. Okay. And so the deal is, I often wonder if Biden were to win, you know, the election. Yeah, you, what happens? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Did you? Uh, did you watch any of the Democratic debates? I saw some of the clips because I'm a Twitter guy, and so obviously it becomes fodder for Twitter. And yeah. the one lady was kind of spaced out, and she had very uh, what was Marion was it Marion Williamson? Is that what her name? So she's night one or night two. They had like oh, right. twenty candidates. Yeah, it's nuts. It was a crazy. We watched night one. It How was, do you ever whittle that down uh, into one candidate? But. It didn't seem fair either. Like they would keep going back to certain candidates mm, and just totally skip that yeah. guy, and you're like, well, and then they would all interrupt or like. 
okay, okay. okay. They kept trying to call them down. It's like, well, you know they have to keep talking because it's the only way anyone's going to know who they are. I saw uh, one one campaign's Twitter uh, can, uh, thing said, uh, if you'll retweet, we're going to select one person and give them $1,000 a month for the next year. And then somebody retweeted that and said, this is where our democracy at. This person's offering $1,000 a month, and he's at 3% right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even you know what i'm gonna shop for a better offer i'm gonna see let's see what biden will do man it was uh oh and i get it you know i will say oh, they're all freak shows though it's like even you know the the people on the right republicans are like well, ours were way more this is crazy it's always insane oh yeah. and there's always like that's where you have the crackpot on the fringes of your of your party platform yeah. so you have the guy that's like I'm anti-war, but I'm pro this. And you're like, that doesn't fit. That doesn't whatever. Yeah. And so, and then you have people like libertarian folks like Ron Paul who make a lot of, they make a big splash at the debates when they're allowed in. Yeah. And they never seem to get very far because they're a little bit, they they go a little bit too far for some people, I guess. Well, you know, a, a, a less powerful executive or, you know, a, a more states' rights type. Yeah. Mindset. People don't understand we had that for 10 years in American history. It was called the Articles of Confederation, which I went to the National Archives and saw the original Articles of Confederation that that was the governing document of our nation before the Constitution. Mm-hmm. People don't realize we were in big, big trouble because they couldn't raise taxes. They couldn't they couldn't receive taxes. There was right. no there was no methodology to do so. You had no president. During that 10 years, it was all just it truly was. And that's we, we think of Confederates as we think of the civil war but a confederation is is you know a grouping of states is basically what that means a federal government then is one where that's it's a more centralized uh power source than, than yeah. the states individually so the the articles of confederation which you know after the end of the revolution before the constitution it just didn't work and so sometimes those guys come into those debates and these these ideas it's exactly what thomas jefferson wanted he yeah. he, he would have been right on, right there he was in fact the, he wanted governors he didn't want governors of yeah. states or the governor was going to be very very uh, stripped of power mm-hmm. and so um in fact he didn't want a senate he really wanted just more like direct democracy where you just had like representatives and so it was john adams and then who who really believed you had to have that was like that landed gentry type okay we need to have yeah. an upper house and a lower house a lower house for representation based upon population and then an upper house of people um, who every state you know gets that equal say into it, and so but he was trying to create more of that gentry because the the educated of the elites who would be willing to understand the bigger philosophical principles of what's going on and not just responding reactionary to yeah. what's happening in the government. So anyway, I just I think sometimes the the I think we need radical uh, thoughts yeah, at the table. I just think they can't they can't always they don't always they don't produce, win elections. They usually win yeah. elections. Uh, that's the thing, and I've I've read you know I've, there was a clip of Ron Paul today from uh, I guess it would have been the twenty it would have been twenty sixteen because it was Rand then but it was an old Ron Paul clip and yeah. he was talking about college loans and how it's a broken a trillion in debt we know it's broken and the the, the education these these kids are getting is also lackluster the, you know it's so, it's so out of whack and and then he gets to the point and then everybody's clapping. And then he goes, that's why we need to audit the Fed and just get rid of the Federal Reserve altogether. Wow. And then everybody just kind of like, you heard people just kind of like, one guy just kind of, like, it was just, like, it dried up a little bit. 
Uh, it's like yeah. sometimes you think that you feel strongly about an issue, and you hear somebody who really feels strongly. And you're like, I thought I was, I thought I was more conservative than I was. Yeah, and uh, that'll happen. You know, like I used to listen to those shows when I was way more uh, of a conservative than I am. I think I think I identify as way more moderate now, but and uh, and so, so now, but I used to listen to those shows like Michael's The Savage Nation. And he'd be like, this is, you know, whatever, this is out of control. We got illegals, blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, well, he's right. You know, people are, the insurance is out of whack. I can't, my, you know, our veterans aren't even covered. And yet illegals are voting. It's not fair. And then he'd be like, put them on a boat or whatever. And you'd be like, hey, I don't, we don't. I thought we were having a conversation here. And then you said the most racist thing ever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Brene Brown says that people are, people are hard to hate up close. Mm-hmm. You know? I do think sometimes the greatest thing that we're lacking is like actually seeing a human. Yeah. Like if you see somebody and you're okay, you go put them on a boat. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you actually trans, like, like don't just ask the people who that's their job, quote unquote, to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you walk over or, or, you know, it's the same thing, same principle as social media. Like, man, if that person was here right now and you're saying all this stuff, and it's like, it's, it's a lot harder to do it face-to-face. You know, John, we've been given a couple of questions what? from our loyal listeners. Wow. And I thought we could maybe tackle that in a segment that we sometimes like to call Ask, ask John and John. Wait, ask. <laughs> what did you say? I said Ask Johnny, but I forgot it's Ask John and Johnny. All right, here we go. You're just going to say, just Ask Johnny? What, I am I not even here? It's not that, John. Oh, my it's gosh. It's just that it doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> in a little segment, we like to call... <laughs> Yeah, okay. The Johnny Show. <laughs> no. Okay, here we go. Play it again, Sam. Oh, sorry. That's play it. So this uh, question comes from Bray and Bake Kay. Them downtown toys. <laughs> Bray. Yeah. This question comes from Bray and Kay. Bray and Kay. That's. Are they, this, these have to be not real names. No, they reached out. Uh, they okay. have an email address. Bray oh, oh, that makes everybody real. Bray K Studios. Bray K Studios. At, I won't give you the rest because, I mean, I don't want them to be harassed. Well, there you go. Like we are. Bray and K, thanks for listening. Uh, it says, in regards to the podcast, subject matter. Subject says, in regard to the in podcast. In regards. This is very official. I like it. In regards to the podcast, period. That's oh. not a, well, that's a, that's a that's fragment. Not, that's a fragment. Yeah, sorry. Already docking you points, Bray and Kay. I don't know if it's two people or if it's Bray K. It would be. Was there an ampersand in the middle? Bray, Brayton, Bray and Kay. I mean, on it the... has to be two people. If, right, if you put K. an ampersand in your name. Sorry. Dear Banter City Crew. So they're, they're I like listeners. That. I like that. I have listened to all of your hilarious and spiritually enlightening episodes. And while listening, I developed some questions that hopefully, all caps, Will be answered on the podcast. Mm. You're in luck, Bray K. Mm. Um, question number one specifically meant for John. Mm. Oh, what in the world? Let me skip this. <laughs> Scamming. No, I'm just kidding. If you were ministering to a person who had never heard about the gospel and you could share only one Bible verse and that's all, which would it be and why? Oh, wow. Oh, man. I was not ready for this. <laughs> <sighs> I was told there would be no Bible. Um... Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'd probably share John 1. I would share John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, 
full of grace and truth. I mean, so the thing that that's really what's what's kind of like you'd have to explain obviously that person that the word is talking about Jesus, but the whole plan of God is not to leave us alone. Yeah. And Jesus is not. If we talk about this a lot in church right now, we kind of act like that God is is like so vengeful that he actually wants to destroy us, but he found this technical way not to do so, or that the son is almost, because he is our advocate. And so it's almost like Jesus is the nice God and the father is the mean God. Right. And so that's good cop, bad cop. And we really miss what this says, that the light that's from Jesus is what glory means, is is the the light of the Father. It's God's glory. Yeah. yeah. And he said over and over again, hey, you know, listen, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everyone wants to know what God is like. Who is God the Father? You see me being compassionate. You see me healing. You see me laying my life down. All that is from the Father. And the plan of Jesus is the Father's plan. He said over and over again, I'm doing and saying what my Father said. So it's that full of grace and truth, that that's who God is. If somebody's wondering, what is God like? Hey, he's full first of grace. And you're really understanding what that means. Yeah. None. He he has he has a love for you that is more than anything in the world. Doesn't he? Doesn't start with truth and tell you all the things that's wrong with all all the ways you're living your life. All those things he starts with grace, and until you understand his grace, then you can't really live in his truth. Uh, you're going to live in a place that becomes a lot of rules and become a lot of ritual. So, but John one fourteen, obviously, I would hope in this hypothetical scenario, I had time to sit down and actually have coffee with the person. Right, and, talk and more than more right. contextual scriptures you're added to that. Right, probably. but I would use John one fourteen. It's what's really just you know made a big difference in my life that the word that right. Jesus is from the Father and that the nature of Jesus is He's full of grace, He's full of truth. I think in that, that order. Right. Well, the correct answer is John three sixteen, but you didn't want to say that because you didn't want to seem like you're uh, right. right. That's There's the a good chance the person would have already known it. So, what from the football game, John? Oh, you think no one reads those signs? I think I do. <laughs> so I that's pray only- for a field goal. <laughs> Come on, John. Be better. Do better. Sorry, no, guys. That's a good scripture. All right. Question number two is mainly for Johnny. So why don't you sit this one out? Okay. I have a qu- I don't know what the question is going to be, yeah. but I'm just going to say this. If they gave me the spiritual question and gave you something like funny, you know, <laughs> it's, it, and that's okay, Brandon. Right. It's okay. But I mean, is that really just who me and Johnny are? Like Johnny can't answer the spiritual question? I think I did. I think I said your answer was wrong, well, and then my answer was right. And John, I, and then, oh, by the way, yeah. before you read that, just to, just just to show you something, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm leaning away from the microphone for a second. Careful over there. What do you got? What is that? Is that your award? I'm holding in my hand. <laughs> this came in the mail. Dude, that's awesome. Look at the size of that thing. Listeners, you don't know. I'm holding my silver Ippy award that came. And it is like a legit metal. Like, look at that thing. That is unbelievable. It's. I'm going to melt it down. It's pure silver. It is not. No, it's not. If I had that, I would wear it every day. Like Flavor Flav. <laughs> i I got to figure out what to do with that. Right now it's in my office. Is it, looks, is it heavy? It's very, you can hold Here, it. Here, let me see it. I can't throw it. You can throw it. It's not going to ding or anything. Good Lord, John. I threw it right into Johnny's wall. This is this is a heavy yeah. thing. Yeah, it was like a more legit metal than I thought. But what does a grown man do with a metal? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't... I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you ask Barack Obama, winner of the Nobel Peace Prize? Well, you think he wears it around the house? I think if, if, think if uh, you know, Michelle gets a little lippy one day. What? A- <laughs> he's like, no, you're fine. You're, fi- you're probably right. 
<laughs> and then he goes and gets the medal. Out. I'm thinking about putting it on underneath my clothes, and then when I'm preaching, if I say something that I think is funny and they don't laugh, be like, <laughs> "Oh, just, I'm sorry." Open your coat. Open my shirt. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to that, derail us. In you the really did. Of our... You said, "Hey, it's great that you're getting uh, a question." <laughs> But let's talk some more about me. <laughs> That's nice. That's our friendship now. Here we go. Question uh, number two is mainly for Johnny. Who is your favorite comedian other than yourself? I don't know why they would think that I'm my favorite comedian. Maybe they know. Comedians you. hate themselves. That's why we're doing <laughs> uh, We'll get into that later. That's a whole other episode. Uh, and why? Who's my mm. favorite comedian and why? Uh, I have a lot of favorites. Um, I don't think that's possible. I mean, I have a lot of people who I'd feel like, if you had to say like influence or don't take this person away because the, this made up this made me want to do comedy, et cetera. Uh, to me, I think the best comedian in the world is Brian Regan, uh, and has been for two decades. Um, a lot of people know him now because of YouTube. He really kind of had a real resurgence. Now he, he does theaters and and everything. And basically, he's got a really unique career because he has no TV and movie credits. And he sells out theaters with his new hour of stand-up every 18 months. He's a pure it's a It's a real, really yeah. rare thing. The only other guy I can think of that does that is Tim Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't, like, really go for the normal. Now, it's not that Regan hasn't tried. I think he's had some really failed pilots, and he's not the best actor. And I think Netflix just did a, some kind of a project for him, and it was really not great. Really? Yeah. Um, it was sketches. Like, they took some of his bits and made sketches from them. But as far as pure stand-up, I just think there's nobody better. And he's interesting. Regan is interesting in that he works clean, and yet he's on the top ten list of the dirtiest comics mm-hmm. that you've ever heard of. Their favorite comics. Like, I've I'm, I've been in rooms with guys who they could not get through their show for ten seconds without saying an F word. And you say, who's your favorite comedians? They'll be like, I like David Tell, who's dirty. They're like, I like so-and-so. And then I like Brian Regan the best. Yeah. And be like, you like Brian Regan. Yeah. Be like, yeah, he's a wizard. I don't know how in the world. It's like they can't figure out how he's doing it. Yeah. Uh, how are you getting these big laughs like that without uh, language and without uh, inappropriate uh, content? And But for me, it's just, it's not about that. It's about, if he wasn't funny, I wouldn't say he's my favorite. I wouldn't be like, well, I got to say Regan because he's the cleanest. He's clean, and, right. No, if you aren't, if you aren't funny, you're not going to be on my favorites. Because uh, there's comedians in my, like I, I, I've i laughed a lot at Chris Rock before. There's comedians that happen to curse in their show. Uh, old Richard Pryor. I mean, there's some things I've listened to and I go, and I'm inspired by. Yeah. Even though I go, well, I'm not necessarily going to go that route. I'm not going to talk that way in my show. That's my own choice. But I mean, to act like something's not funny just because it's a little bit uh, edgy or it's a little bit dark or whatever, right. that's not true. That's kind of intellectually uh, dishonest yeah. when Christians act that way. Well, I don't even understand. That's not even funny. No, it's funny. It's just not appropriate. Right. <laughs> you right. know. But anyway, all that said, Regan is that guy who uh, just, yeah, he, he amazes you that he can still, that he's still doing it. I mean, he's probably 10 hours of material and. So, yeah, he's the best. Uh, and so if you don't know of Brian Regan, go Google him or go YouTube him right now and just fall down the well. The best special of his is called Man on the Moon. Uh, and it's a live special he did at a comedy club. Uh, so it's not a big theater show, but it's just tr- terrific. And I probably wouldn't change a second of that whole hour of comedy. And I wish I'd written all of those jokes. Mm. So that's how good they are. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's my that's my favorite. Who's your favorite, John? If I had to ask you as a as a humorist comedian Ugh. Ippy winner I should not have pulled out the Ippy no it's fine I, you know, I'm curious who you're who you like it actually is you 
No, John. It really, really is. Just stop. No, I'm not. I'm not like. I wasn't like a. I wasn't like a comedy, um, you know, junkie or anything like you. So like my. That's I, a really I, pejorative <laughs> term. You just. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't a purveyor. I wasn't yeah. a, you know, I don't spend a lot of time. I just like funny things. You know, I loved, I loved Chris Farley when I was. Oh, in, in sure. The 90s, yeah. You know, and, sketch was a sketch uh, comic yeah. actor, but yeah. Um, Incredible. You know, really love that Steve. Shows- I love Steve Martin. Yeah. But again, so a lot of the actors, you know, the guys, mm-hmm. who, you know, but Steve Martin and the jerk is still. One right. of the funniest things to Well, me. a lot of that stuff that's in The Jerk was from his stand-up act that he modified for that. And so, yeah. like, he was – he would do some of those lines, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's always interesting. That's the thing about comedy is I like every kind of comedy. And you so you talk about somebody who likes – I like to think of myself as liking really smart comedy. But then if a Chris Farley movie comes on, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm belly laughing. It's so funny and so pure. It's like, a, it's like an instinctive primal laugh that you get yeah. from Chris Farley. That you can't get from somebody who's like, whoa, some delightfully droll joke that somebody's making about politics or whatever. You're like, yeah, that's fine. Chris Farley falling through a table every time gets something. It's something about it. The way he committed, there's just a commitment to him. That, and the way, that was he can make, the way he can make the other comedians laugh, too. Yeah. That, that, was, that was a big part oh, of yeah, it yeah. for me. They all loved him. And, there's yeah. just, and there was no malice in what he did. Mm-hmm. That's something you notice uh, if you've been performing uh, for a while is that. You begin, if you're not careful, to get a, like, it's kill or die. You talk, these are the terms that we use. Yeah. I killed, I died. Yeah. I bombed or I murdered. <laughs> right. So it's like, if you're not careful, the audience is almost like an adversary. Yeah. And it's like, these people out there sitting all with their arms folded think that they, I, they owe, I owe them something. And if you're not careful, you start writing that way. For so, so when I watch performers have been doing it 10, 20 years, I watch for that guardedness. Yeah, and in Farley, you just never saw it. He's just this little boy that's trying to eat the gross thing on the plate that you mixed up so he can make you laugh on a dare. Yeah, like he's that guy, and he never grew out of that. Adam Sandler still has that. There's a sweetness to him, even if you don't like everything Adam Sandler does. He didn't lose that little boy thing, and I think that there's something that I love. I really respect that. Yeah, and I think that maybe I'm suspended in time a little bit yeah. on on some of those things. If I look back, I think I think I think of the Water Boy. Yeah, and for some reason, again, I know how dumb it is. It's a dumb movie, and I love it. Like I, I there, there's something the parts, should be dumb. Yeah, it, you know whether it's Tommy Boy, the Water Boy. There's a boy theme here. You know, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's the mm. little boy in me, Johnny. The little boy and me, but I Some mean, of you're out there. <laughs> You've grown up too fast. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, I mean, to me now, again, what became funny to me would be me and you in Knoxville, yeah, going on road trips, you know, with the guys, you know, doing shows. Though those kinds of things still right, you have your own like lexicon of inside jokes, yeah, and things we still say. Like if I day. like if I write funny, I've written two funny books. Mm-hmm. One for a guy, one for Tim Hawkins, and one for myself. And there are times I have to on both books. I have to call you and say, or go to lunch and say, "Hey, I'm not sure if I got this from you. <laughs> this is a funny way of saying this, and I don't know, but I probably right. got it from you. I'm not trying to hack or yeah. rob, you know." And you're always like, "Oh, just use it. Everything I say is funny. Something like that." I, <laughs> <laughs> I say, "Just Venmo, just Venmo me, and uh, appreciate it." But I mean, I think that that's just—I think that's cool, though. It, like everything else in life, you know, you—I love you, you. You're quoting somebody, but again, I'm quoting you. You're quoting somebody, you know. But everything you do affects everything you do. Yeah. And so there's that—that that understanding that I—I I, 
I can't necessarily unravel all the threads of what it is that makes me think something is funny yeah. versus or what I think is good in terms of hearing a speaker. And, you know, it's funny you talk about the adversarial relationship with the audience from a comedian. I think I think pastors and preachers have the same exact thing. Yeah. In fact, we're kind of on a, uh, I guess, a, a, a new way of thinking. We realize so many of the pastoral like if you go to conferences, leadership conferences, you, you don't understand what it is you're hearing in terms of tone because you've always heard it. Yeah. And so you become kind of you know deaf to it. And people are called sheep in the Bible and, 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 and we're called shepherds. And, and there's this like feeling of it. It's, it's a common expression. You know, hey, I know those sheep will bite you. Right. You know. And you got to watch out. You think about those those like they're uh, dumb sheep. I'm the wise one. That's kind of the, the yeah. inferred thing that we take it. We take the, it's like you talked about that last week. We take the metaphor and we stretch it to its like crazy implications. That now these are mindless sheep, right? Who can do no good outside of me, their leader. Yeah. Uh, and they're and so dumb. They'll wander, yeah. wander off, and I got to clean up their messes all day. But it's the job I've been given. And you you pat yourself on the back and and and. You know, indemnify these people you've been really given spiritual authority over in, in essence. Yep. But it's like, yeah, maybe we're not supposed to stretch the metaphor that far. Well, right. And you and you have to then, and that's a part I about I shear my people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing about it is you end up dismissing, and, and I said that in that message, uh, you end up dismissing then so many we were talking about John 15 yeah. and, you know, the branches he lifts up and the, you know, and how I just said, guys, I'm not, I'm, I just, I just want to read everything. Just let me read six other verses that John has said up to now yeah. about how the father feels about you, how the son feels about you, that the ones the father gives to the son, he will by no means lose. Like in order for us to make these to extrapolate whatever it is we want to say here for this moment in this metaphor, yeah. if it has to be dismissive of like a huge chunk of other amounts of scripture, a huge chunk of other context and tone, then we at least should cause us to stop and pause and also realize we're, we're like isolationists in, in context. We do. We we isolate one thing, pull it out because we're the Twitter generation right now. We find one thing and we proof text it to my end yeah. instead of looking at the big picture. We all do it. Don't even know we do it. Yeah. But like I heard those things about sheep. You can't trust them. You shouldn't trust people. And so pastors have no qualms, and especially in, in a culture where you're leaving every two years, every three years, and you're moving to the next job or yeah. whatever. And we create these parachurch organizations now. To be the quote unquote, I'm making air quotes right now, listener, the quote unquote community yeah. of the shepherds because they can, nobody can ever trust anyone and mm. not realizing that the scriptures also say that we shepherd one another right. and that we submit to one another and all those things. And, and there's, so, yeah, there's a priest to the believer. In yeah. This. And it ends up just creating these hierarchy, these, the stratus, if you will, uh, of places that each of us are in. Well, and then the pastors can't trust each other either because they're all out for, you know, if they, if it becomes that cult of personality, yep. even within those groups, it's like, is this guy England to be better than me? Am I? And you're comparing and contrasting constantly. And you might be after the same job in two years. Yeah. So it's a competition. Who's going to, you know, it, trust me, you and I, we're in those worlds forever. Remember the ordination speech we used to hear every year, the charge? Oh, yeah. Call? And it was like when you sat there, and, 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 I was and, like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. And, 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 and I'm not trying to belittle it or honestly, I'm not trying to dismiss it or say it didn't have some parts that were really special to the traditions that we were raised in yeah. all those things. 
But it was very much like a foot binding was a tradition too, though. Just so you know. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of traditions that we should. Yeah. But it was very much like the words that were says, "You, hey, wives, you know, you're going to have countless cold meals as you set up waiting while he's off again yet right. another night tending to the sheep, and and another person's going to come and tell you they're going to leave your church because they just weren't getting fed." And and you're not going to save any money for retirement, but there's a retirement program that's out of this world for right. you. And you're going to, you know, once again have someone leave your church because this and that. And it was like this. It was depressing. Yeah. It was almost like us trying to talk you out of it. And yeah, right end, as you're getting ready to get your papers. Yeah. Or whatever, and you're, you're like, get your- I want to be ordained in this because of what exactly? Like it, it, <laughs> it, it was... It, and I get it. What he's saying is, is hey, you know, get ready for the challenges. It's not all. And yeah. he's right up to some extent. Yeah. But the fruit of the spirit is is joy, you know. And 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 even John fifteen, the reason he wants you to abide in the vine is so that your joy may be full. And the mm. priesthood of believers, having Paul said, I rejoice upon every remembrance of you. Like there was a joy in it. it Paul's prison was made by the Romans, not by the church. Yeah. And I think that that I think that that like or by the Jewish people who were trying to persecute him. It wasn't by the church itself. The church brought him joy, though he agonized over the church, the Bible says. But there was this moment where he found joy in Timothy and joy in Titus and, and all the people that he did this with. And he did had ad, he had adversaries within the church as well, but they were like heretical leaders. They weren't the people themselves. They're supposed to be in those communities a sense of joy. So I just think it's a fascinating thing of when – no matter what we're with, how do we look at the people that yeah. we're delivering something to? So yeah, you gotta you gotta love them a little bit. Uh, that's the thing. And if you and, and whether it's whether I go out to entertain a group now, I do a lot of church shows now, of course, but I do some theater shows. I do even comedy clubs. I try to look at every audience as the same. But sometimes you go, this is a specific group. Like sometimes I'll do a group and it'll be like volunteer appreciation. Yeah. So it's people who've been working in kids ministry. Uh, or downstairs checking in kids for the last year. They're beyond burned out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, or somebody that's worked on the worship team for nothing. They get there at 7 a.m., do two practices, do two services, whatever. Like, I do have a special, like, heart for that person because I've been on staff at a church. And I th- I try to put myself in the, And so I have a whole different set of of premises that I go into my show when I'm doing one of those. Sure. Because I just want them, to, I want them to understand, like, I hope you feel encouraged tonight. Yeah. You know, this shouldn't be like, because that's the thing, too. A lot of churches for so long, you know, we got a depreciation thing. Or these people are going to quit on us. Get the lasagna. They tell you up with like a Stouffer's lasagna. Yeah. And then you have everybody out and you just hope that you've bought yourself six months. Yeah. And now churches are starting to realize, man, let's really celebrate. And it's not a matter of like, let's spend a bunch of money, although some churches do. And I think it's a pretty effective, you know, you know, uh, use of your time to really pour back into people who are pouring into ministry elements, especially, I mean, they're really giving of their time. And so when I go do these, I, I feel special kinship sometimes. And I try to, cause I did every job here, you know, I mean, I was, I did, I just, you know, I would volunteer on the worship team and I would clean toilets and I would teach Sunday school and I taught college ministry and some of those were paid positions. Some of them weren't. And, yeah. uh, so I feel, I feel like that's always cool, but yeah, I, every audience, if I go into an audience, it's full of just, a, a club audience and i know half of them are are already two drinks in yeah i still have like man they came out i'm gonna try to give them something yeah. you know that they don't have send home i'm gonna even if they have we don't know what their problems are 
when I record a new special, I always think about that because Tim, uh, when I was with Tim Hawkins, he was doing uh, it was his push pull point pal yeah. DVD in 2012, which is my first interaction with him and my first recording with him. We recorded like a little 10 minute blurb of me to go on that DVD. And they were saying a prayer once it wrapped and Tim was praying and he was just saying before he prayed, he said, whenever I do one of these, I always want to pray because when I go out, I want to think about the people who are in the audience and what they're bringing in with them. And he puts himself in that mindset instead of just like, gosh, I hope they laugh enough so that we didn't waste all this money. Yeah. You know, that's a different mindset than just let me give something to these people today. You gave me this gift. Let me give a little bit of it to them, yeah. and then we'll all feel better. Instead of just being like, "I hope they get, they give me what I need. Let's get what we need tonight, and then we can go print this and make some more money." Like that dies quickly. the The whole, uh, the energy of that is not sustainable. No, it's not. And and that idea I heard someone say the other day when it comes to volunteers that we need to stop acting like if we if we give people ownership in the kingdom the right way mm-hmm. that it's going to drain them. We need to be mindful of it, but that attitude in and of itself is draining. Right. You're setting them up. You know, you're, you're already beginning this on a foundation that's not very solid. We, yeah. we need to be saying to them is, hey, you know, we're going to tend to your needs. It, it, working is hard in, in all of these areas. And yeah. we're just talking about like Sunday volunteerism right now. Like that should be the, the, the tip of the iceberg, I think, of what service in the kingdom actually looks like. But saying to them, hey, the right kind of things together in the right kind of community is going to – it may be hard, but it's energizing and even fun and joyful. And, I mean, same kind of thing if you're going to walk into a show. I mean, I want this to be something. And Sundays are hard sometimes when the lights don't work and something's wrong and a storm bro- you know, blows in and half the people stay home and whatever it may be. It's so easy to be looking at – I love what Paul Miller says in his book, A Praying Life – He's talking about you can't you can't look at a windshield and through a windshield at the same time. Oh, right. And so I think about like church or I think about spiritual disciplines, but I look at church on a Sunday and it's easy to do to be discouraged because I'm looking at the windshield and I'm forgetting mm-hmm. you know what it is. That's why one of the reasons I like to lead to lead worship is I can still my brain's not always there when I'm singing those songs. It really is thinking about hitting that note or hitting the right key yeah. and staying on the click track or whatever. But there's something pure about that music in the emotional side, the spiritual side, that causes me to to get outside of the intellect. And I think I need that, you know, mm-hmm. um, because outside of the intellect, there's something there's something else going on that is full of awe and wonder and beauty that that should be happening every time that God's people are together and we're you know reminding each other of of, of how God feels about us and what He's doing in us, and that has to be bigger than the windshield and the program today, yeah. or how many showed up or how the offering was, and all those things are valid. You know? Yeah, I think C.S. Lewis said that, didn't he? Something like, uh, uh, "I believe in Christianity." The same way that I believe in the sun, not that, what is it? Not that, not because I see it, but by it, I see everything else. Yeah. So it's like this prism of your life that you, other things are seen more clearly through that perspective instead of it being this thing that you have to manage and think about all the time. It just affects your view of other things. Uh, and now if you're driving, listen to the podcast, uh, as we wind up, um, don't look at the windshield. They already have been the minute you said it, <laughs> they, they were driving and they were like, how do you look at the windshield and through the windshield? That's funny. I oh. actually read, not that, not that 
I don't want to drag it out, but I read a Spurgeon quote that was so good yeah. about these kinds of things. Um, it says, it is ever the Holy Spirit's work to turn our eyes away from self to Jesus. But Satan's work is just the opposite of this, for he is constantly trying to make us regard ourselves instead of Christ, which to me sounds in the modern age like we're talking about self-centeredness, but right. it's not really what it's about. He continues, he insinuates, your sins are too great for pardon. You have no faith. You do not repent enough. You will never be able to continue to the end. You have not the joy of his children. You have such a wavering hold of Jesus. So it's all this stuff attacking your confidence mm-hmm. about faith. And he says, all these are thoughts about self, and we shall never find comfort or assurance by looking within. But the Holy Spirit turns our eyes entirely away from self. He tells us that we are nothing, but that Christ is all in all. Remember, therefore, it is not thy hold of Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even faith in Christ, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merits. Therefore, look not so much to thy hand with which thou art grasping Christ as to Christ. Look not to thy hope, but to Jesus, the source of thy hope. Look not to thy faith, but to Jesus, the author and finisher of thy faith. We shall never find happiness by looking at our prayers, our doings, or our feelings. It is what Jesus is, not what we are, that gives rest to the soul. If we would at once overcome Satan and have peace with God, it must be by looking unto Jesus. Keep thine eyes simply on him. Let his death, his sufferings, his merits, his glories, his intersection, intercession sorry, be fresh upon thy mind. When thou wakest in the morning, look to him. When thou liest down at night, look to him. Oh, let not thy hopes or fears come between thee and Jesus. Follow hard after him, and he will never fail thee. Then he quotes, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Just that idea. It's not my prayers, my doings, my comings, my goings. I do think that we are an introspective culture, which has its benefits, but you can it's crippling. Sometimes. Yeah, you look so far and so yeah. much at. Am I? Is my faith right? Yeah, my daughter deals with that so much. Daddy, I'm not sure I believe enough. It's like, okay, yeah. what isn't you know? This is not about right. you know removing. That. Well, it's like I do that. We talked about that before. I have that thing where I, I, if I start thinking about everything I have to get done in a day, I won't do any of it because I get so overwhelmed. Uh, mm. And uh, and I think we do that with accomplishments too. We start thinking about. If we if we rest on our own accomplishments, we're missing the point. Or we rest on our lack of accomplishments. Yeah. We're like, well, I'll never be able to attain it. I may as well just. It's like, no, it's not what it's about. Yeah. It's good, man. That's Spurgeon. Oh, he knew he, he knew he something. Things. Yeah, he did. Um, hey, I want to say thanks to Bray and Kay. Yeah, and uh, uh, please send more questions because we joked a little bit, but that was awesome. Thank you for asking us questions, and uh, we were. We were honored to get to send them on over. Yeah, we'll answer them. Others to. can ask questions as well without rhyming names. You can ask. Don't ask me about comedy because I'm not going to know as much. But you can ask Johnny about comedy. But you can also ask Johnny spiritual questions because he's very spiritual. Very spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I'm home. I'm actually in a writing season and um, a writing. I'm season. in a writing season right now. I'm on, I'm on a deadline again. So that's uh, it's good to be on deadlines. So entering into that, and uh, you have some uh, travel coming up. And I do. I know you're off for a little while here, but you got some travel coming up. Yeah. And, uh, check the johnnyw.com for schedules and tour dates and ticketing information. Yeah, yeah. You should go see Johnny live. If you've never seen Johnny live. Oh, my God. It's, it's much better than Johnny did. I was going to say, it's not, <laughs> it's not much better than what's it's happening here. just prop me up in the corner and <laughs> flies swarm about. 
Oh, that's funny. They did have – who was it? Somebody's horse was stuffed in the Smithsonian. It was like a famous mm. general, and that was like his actual horse behind okay. glass. Yeah. It's like, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff – and by the way, the Natural History Museum uh, – And the horse was like – had to look on his face like, not my idea. <laughs> Just could have just buried me, but whatever. Do not want this sort of posterity. Um, and then a lot of the animals in there that are stuffed were actual animals that Theodore Roosevelt went and. Uh, oh, I forgot to say what my coolest thing was. I just remembered the coolest Time. thing for me. So Theodore Roosevelt killed a lot of the animals on safari that right. are in there that are probably be like way against all the rules today. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't go do that. But anyway, they just kept it because what are you going to do with them? Throw them out out of principle? Anyway, dude. We went uh, to, uh, sorry, not the National Archives. The National Archives is where we saw the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, and the Articles of Confederation. But we went to the Library of Congress. Okay. Okay. Lots of cool stuff there. But the coolest thing for me was they had, so you know, War of 1812. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure everyone knows this. You know, they, the British burned a lot. They burned the White House. They burned the Library of Congress. And Thomas Jefferson, who actually went into great debt because he kind of had a book problem, like he would buy too many books. He was almost obsessed with them, and he'd read them. He had the largest book collection in in America after that Congress Library of Congress burned, and he sold it to the United States government. Mm. His library became the epicenter of the new Library of Congress that exists today, and they had – they're rebuilding basically his original collection – so they had books there that they're looking for. They knew it was an original. They had books with like a green – if it had a green ribbon, it was one of his actual books. Yeah. And then they had yellow ribbons that were like, okay, this was – it's an actual book from the period, just not necessarily one of the ones that he had. So, bro, I was sitting there looking – What's interesting though is the, the president profited in essence from his own personal – well, he was no longer Robert. president in 1812, so okay. he would have been, yeah, because he's president. Still like, a bit of a conflict, don't you think? A conflict oh, absolutely. I think it would have been, yeah. They, they, hey, I got a bunch of books. Maybe he started the fire, John. So, mm, well, that's it was during a war by the British. But, perfect crime. Yeah. I mean, he, that's what we wanted to think. He couldn't stand Hey, put on this red coat. Here's a, <laughs> some gasoline. So any of these books that I would recognize, was there a pair of Jabez in there? What's going on? Uh, he had Machiavelli. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and he had books. So I just read that book about John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. He had books in there from guys from their generation. He had, like, Thomas Paine, Common Sense. He was big buddies with Thomas Paine. Right. And so, like, there were books, like, reference that I knew shaped his policies and his thoughts yeah. during the things I've been reading about. And I was looking at them behind glass. Like, and they were all in a actual room, like, on shelves just yeah. behind glass. So yeah, I was that that I know that's a real nerdy thing. I was looking at Thomas oh, Jefferson great, and reading like his handwriting and stuff on things. It was I'm like I'm all about it. Wow, it I would amazing. like to see that. It's fascinating. I'm getting ready to go to the there's a there's a, actually a comedy museum that's open in Jamestown, New York now. Really, it just opened. It's called the uh, the Comedy Institute. What is it called? Anyway, it's only been open less than a year. Wow. And evidently, it's just it's a whole thing. The history of comedies in this museum. And so I'll be nerd now. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. Go see all the old Bob Newhart stuff and all oh, the crazy. I love Newhart. Yeah. I mean, it'll be it'll be. I'll be totally geeking out. I'll spend two days there probably. You know, so. there's a spy museum now. It just opened in DC. Yes, I did hear about we that. We did not go to that. That's on our. We next drove one by now. it. We drove by it when we were getting ready to fly home the other day. Yeah. Because we didn't get to go to, to D.C., but we were flying through there. I was surprised how many of the Secret Service things said Secret Service on it. Like, is, is it really that <laughs> it's like, much? It's not. They're not it's very like good at keeping a big vest a, that says Secret not Service. not secret at all. I'm also looking at the license plates. Like, D.C. license plates say mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., and then their tagline is taxation without representation. 
and it's it's leaving out a key word, Johnny. No. Yeah. Like literally all the license plates say taxation. Are you sure it's not covered by the edge of the rim of the I thing? I don't know. I'm thinking, guys, this is not what we fought for. <laughs> How'd <laughs> no. you sneak that one past us? Also, I was, we were in a two-hour shuttle ride that I screwed up on to get to Baltimore Airport. Yeah. It should have been 35 minutes anyway. I'm looking at all the license plates, and I had these I had these thoughts about it because I had a lot of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, Johnny. So Maryland says War of 1812. You look at Delaware, it says the first state. You look at Tennessee, it says volunteer state. All those things. That makes sense. Right. And for me, so don't, for me, I looked at Virginia. Yeah. And I thought about all the things I know about Virginia. I know I what it is already. I know you know, but don't <laughs> say it yet. So I'm thinking about Virginia and I'm thinking about like, okay, it's Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. It's James Madison, the father of the Constitution, the, the Declaration of Independence. It's mm-hmm. Jamestown. So it's one of the first settlements. I'm thinking all these things. And I, in my mind, picture like the family feud, like that type of game where all the powers that be are being asked the question and they get one response, you know, and they're like conferring what could be father. You know, this is the, the constitutional state. I mean, like it's like a big deal. Right. All of a sudden, some guy blurts out virginia is for lovers yeah like geez billy not again he's like i'm sorry sir we must take your first answer virginia is for lovers that's what it in the big the o is a big heart heart. out of all the things you could say about virginia right have you been but now that you've been don't you agree (laughs) <laughs> did you see how close those people seemed? <laughs> it made me just a wa- lot of PDA in Virginia. Right. Just like, crazy. put on a shirt, sir. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> well, Virginia's guys. For lovers. Yeah. Well, make a better license plate. This show is for you, and mm. we thank you for listening to it. Yeah, we do. Make we sure hope you... that you love it. But uh, not in like an inappropriate way. We no. hope that you love it just the right amount. Just the right amount. Enough to share, really. To subscribe and share and review and yeah. Five stars if you feel it. Yeah, and if not, give it five stars anyway. Because You've we heard how we you, feel about fight this. Fight you in the streets <laughs> for a four star review. The Ippy says five stars. Yeah, we're gonna have to post a photo of this. It's an unbelievable. It makes my little like <laughs> mimeographed paper award. This is what I thought when I was gonna get a silver. I got the bronze, but even a bronze uh, medal this heavy would be unbelievable. I realize I have. I need to post about it, like because the it was. Nice. I think I have to win a gold now. Just so I'm back on top here. Have to. You're going to have to, Johnny. We're going to enter every contest out there and make, make our friendship. <laughs> Winner of the Johnny Award. <laughs> Remember, I wanted you to do that for your volunteer appreciation. I wanted you to make a little trophy called the Johnnies. Yeah. We should. We still need to do that. That's a yeah, great idea. It's a good idea. We just gave it away. So. Yeah. Well, anyway. Less than what their name Johnny. Hey, thanks, though, for listening. Share with your friends and your family, loved ones. Uh, anybody out there, really, uh, that you want to listen. And uh, we'll make sure we're back next week here on Talk About That. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.